welcome back to the Absolutely ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Alana, ADHD coach and social worker. I figured out how to manage my ADHD and now I help others do the same through one-on-one coaching, my content on Instagram, my courses, and through this podcast. My best friend Sam and I started this podcast to help you feel seen and understood in your ADHD symptoms. Each week we explore a variety of different topics all about challenges related to our ADHD and ways that we can better work through them. As always, thank you so much for your support, and we hope you like this episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Absolutely ADHD Podcast. I'm here with Dennis today to bring you guys a conversation about so many different things, but I'm just, I'll let you kind of give a little introduction. We were joking a few days, a few weeks ago on social media that our wor- our least favorite question in the world is when someone says, tell us a little bit about yourself. So of course, I'm going to ask you, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm going to tell you about my Instagram life. How about that? Um, So I am a pandemic Instagrammer. Before that, none of my social media accounts were open. Everything was locked in and I was unfindable. So during the pandemic, I started posting my husband's baking to a separate account. And I'm like, this is so fun. And then I started posting for this account that I have on Instagram. But when I first started, it was a little bit more like people are losing their jobs. They're looking for jobs. Like I've been in corporate America, working in biotech for so long and did so many trainings and things like that. So I was like, what can I put out there? It's kind of useful for people. Um, And then it quickly turned into more kind of ADHD focus because I wanted to help other people. Um, like myself, because I am not a big fan of tough love and just, you know, you're in your own way type of um, encouragement. It just really became ADHD focused very, very quickly after I started. And I wanted to just help people and um, it really matched. So that's my kind of Instagram life before that and continuous continuing from before. I work in biotech. I'm a chemical engineer. Um, I worked in the lab for many years, did informatics, and now I work for an innovation group. So that's my life. I didn't know that um, you started with a, remember you said it was your husband's baking Instagram? Yeah, he bakes. I don't bake. I just eat and I took pictures and I really enjoyed kind of making cute pictures with our children, touching them. And yeah, that's so- it, it, it was like, this is the creative thing in my house and I'm going to take pictures of it. And then I totally didn't do it for a long time, but we're just trying to make it again a thing because he bakes every week all the time. And then I feel like we should put these online. They're beautiful. So you started doing all of this kind of, you started posting about ADHD specifically around the pandemic, you said? Yes, that was kind of, that also kind of uh, started from me liking communications, uh, colorful stuff. It basically was a thing for me, like an outlet where I had the control of everything, right? Video was really weird for me because I'm not naturally just like, hey, let's do a TikTok video type of a person. But, you know, over time I got used to it. Still get anxious every single time I have to record something. But it's a part of it. And it just became a little bit more like a playful thing to do as well. Definitely. Yeah. No, seeing yourself on our screens all the time. It's really weird. I, I struggle with it too. And then there's also just sometimes there, you just don't want to, like, I just don't mm-hmm. want to look at my face at all. I really, it was a challenge for me, especially doing 
stories and connecting with followers on a daily basis when you're yeah. doing a story. It's just my face looking at me. And I want to look at people, right? It's a challenge to just, I lose, uh, you know, where I am and what I just said. I have no idea what was going on. <laughs> but again, like with time, it just became easier and easier. And people are so nice when I express, this is anxious, anxiety creating for me. They're like, you don't have to look at the camera. We're happy to listen to you when you're like looking away because it's our community. Yeah. So no one's expecting like corporate rules or whatever, like proper, uh, I don't know, communication rules. One of the my, the best things that I loved about just coaching with this community too, is that I didn't have to feel insecure when I do forget my train of thought or when I, you know, forget what I was about to say, because they get it. Everyone, they get it. It's just like the yeah. best community. So tell us about your uh, beginnings on Instagram. Well, when I started, it was interesting because I was starting for just coaching in general, specifically for young women. And then I started talking more about like my experience as a social worker was a lot of like working with students with disabilities and learning disabilities and job coaching and things like that. One of the kind of groups that I was talking to was about, you know, young women with ADHD. And I love talking about it. And I found that the way that I spoke about it, I feel like people resonated with. So I, you know, started doing that. Now I coach adults with ADHD, which is so cool. But similarly to, you know, your content, what I love about it is that it's so easy to follow. ADHD, it is confusing. There's a lot of different mm -hmm. parts to it. And so I'm just curious, like, is that intentional? Is that something that you've always tried to do with your content? So yes, it's very intentional because normally uh, my inclination is to write uh, a huge amount of information because I want to express everything I know and I want everyone else to know what I know. But I worked really, really hard to make it super bite-sized while it kind of still keeps the spirit of what the information is because there's so much ADHD information out there yeah. on top of a lot of misinformation, right? And the, the science and uh, results coming from the science is not always very exciting. It's like small incremental differences. Um, so when you want to kind of read the research, it's almost impossible to go through it and track it. So for me as a scientist, right, think about people who didn't study science. It becomes very inaccessible, the information. Yeah. And then the more complication that you put in your posts and the more words that you pile on, the you know less accessible it becomes. So that was my, my biggest goal is try to make science accessible to people because then you learn about yourself. And it's a little bit here and there, right? There is not like a one place that you can go and learn everything because science is always going on. It's very intentional that I want anyone to be able to read it and have you know, 80% at least of understanding of what it says and if it relates to their life and how it can actually like actively improve their understanding or if they could do something practical. Because most of the time you read a lot of research and it almost always ends up at, you should really sleep more, you should really exercise, you should eat well. Like these are not magical things, mm -hmm. they're not sensational things. So news, you know, uh, gets uh, the the person who says the most sensational thing gets more airtime. That's why when you hear like a celebrity uh, talks about, oh, is everyone ha having ADHD now? They get a lot of attention. They have no background, no scientific, whatever. Yeah. Right? 
but we can also, as like the community, uh, we can also produce our own information and try to make it uh, accessible to other people within our community. So we can we can try to make it more accessible to our community so they can make their own decisions between that sensational thing and the perhaps like scientific proven information. So that was my goal. Definitely. I love that. It's you're so right about the language. It just a lot of times it's not accessible. And then even I remember when I was first learning about like executive functioning, like even that mm -hmm. term, like that sounds so scientific. And so, and it, and yeah. it, but it's like, I think a lot of people would relate to like, you hear a term like that and it's like, oh, I, you know, either don't want to learn about that because maybe it sounds overwhelming, but then when we actually break it down and look at what it is in basic terms, it's a lot more, it makes a lot more sense. hundred percent. I think you pointed out something super important. I heard some parents talking to another parent in uh, my little kid's ballet thing. And she was saying, my child is sensory uh, seeking. And I thought th that's, oh, that's something I learned just in the last year. Mm -hmm. And that person is probably having a lot of experience with it. Maybe they have a neurodivergent child, but I'm like, that's not anything anyone knows about, right? Right. Some some of these words like RSD, I didn't know what it was mm -hmm. only two years ago. Uh, rejection sensitive dysphoria, right? All these yeah. things. You're so right about the executive dysfunction. When you say it, it's just like whatever that is, right? Yeah. It's just you know I can't plan. I can't right. uh, put things in order. So it's super important to put the language in a place where everybody can understand. And it really helps like the, the new generation as well as the people who weren't um, diagnosed in due time mm -hmm. to see themselves because rejection sensitive dysphoria is something it took me a while to kind of understand what it was. And yeah. when I saw it, it's also in one of my posts, it talks about you feel it like a physical uh, pain, like a struck in your um, chest. And then I experienced it. And I was like, oh, this is it. Like the, mm -hmm. this kind of tangible explanation of that, not just saying sensitive dysphoria, you know, I don't know what that means. And then right. when I live it, I know what it means. And then now I can think about it as a, this is something I have. No, it makes all the difference. And you also said that you kind of have the urge to share all the information at once. Mm -hmm. um, has that been, so is that something that you're still kind of working through avoiding? Every day, yeah. all the time. So I'll make my posts. Um, but as I do it, I mean, it gets better, right? Every, everything that you practice gets, you get better at it. Um, yeah. I, I go over them before I send it out. I just ask myself what else can come out of it because mm -hmm. I have like an eye test when I look at it, if there's too many words, I feel like if I were looking at this, would I feel like, oh, geez, I don't want to read all that. Yeah. So if it doesn't pass my, I don't want to read this test then I just tried to reduce it. I worked through this when I started posting online a lot, which was just telling myself that every piece of information I share, every podcast episode, every post, like that isn't my one chance to get everything I've ever known into this, whatever it is, into this outlet. Like I had to really train myself to remember that. And I still am doing, mm -hmm. I'm still working through it. Like that initial urge to just include everything I've ever known about this topic. <laughs> 
but, so true. But then it's like, that's one, that's not what people want. But two, that's not helpful either. Cause a lot of times we, it is too much and it is overwhelming. Oh my God. We're just like a hundred percent agreement here. Cause I used to do like, Hey, let me do a video with five things, blah, blah, blah. And actually, you know what? A person wants to hear only one thing. <laughs> they don't want to hear a list of like five things that takes 25 minutes to talk about. Yeah. It's important to, you know, meet people where they're at. And while we might want to go like super, super in depth in one thing, I'm like, Alana, nobody wants, nobody wants nobody that. Wants that. Like, relax. Somebody wants that, but they can, they can probably find that information. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I actually, um, I think that you kind of mentioned that in your, you had a class. Um, do you want to talk about long story short? Sure. Um, I did two classes and the most recent one was called long story short. It's for people like me and, you know, a, a lot of us were very wordy, uh, both in writing and just speaking addresses. Why do we want to explain or just talk so much or use a lot of words? Uh, what can we do for written and what can we do for spoken? Because it's more difficult, right? Like a person's right there and I want to just like this <laughs> right right now. Um, but, but there are like practices and things you can do kind of to pace yourself or redo. Um, there's a lot of kind of blockers in our minds. We feel like, oh, I already started talking about, as I talk about this in the class, I already started talking about my dead grandfather as an example of something inappropriate, just like keeps going, but there's okay. It's okay to stop yourself and be like, you know what? This is a really long story. Maybe I'll tell another time, you know, that's one class short, long story short. And I can talk about it forever. <laughs> and then the other class, the first class I did was called Clarity, which I really love. Clarity was more looking at the ADHD um, diagnosis timeline. It looks at, you know, how you go through, especially as an adult uh, ADHD or becoming aware of your ADHD. And then looking at the practically, uh, how can you kind of start putting the pieces together and what can you do for wellness? I mean, I took the long story short one. And that one of the things that made me think of this in the first place was you were explaining that, yeah, when we're learning information from other people, like we get it kind of dripped down. Like you, you learn little pieces of information as you go. And yet when we're explaining things to people, <laughs> sometimes we have the urge to like share all that as opposed to sharing it in the way that we actually receive it, which is like, a little bit at a time. So you said that you were diagnosed, it was pretty recently, is that correct? Yeah, actually, is that like three years now? Mm -hmm. I was never going to be diagnosed if I hadn't met my husband. He was diagnosed in high school, um, used medication, and we met. We really, really clicked. He's my second husband. And I never imagined there'd be a person that would be so harmonious with my life because, you know, as an ADHD, <clears throat> there are things I can walk into a room and create uh, havoc immediately <laughs> without knowing, right? So I was just like, this is really weird, you know, he has his piles and ADHD stuff, but I work in biopharma, so I was just reading about his medication and its side effects just by going down a rabbit hole. And I was just like, oh my God, it just sounds so familiar. And uh, from there on, I started reading about ADHD and that was super clear to me that every single thing I read just pointed out that um, I was an undiagnosed adult ADHD year. Uh, mm -hmm. All the hyperactivity of childhood and a lot of memories kind of rushing back to me. Um, then it was pandemic. No one was seeing anyone in person. So yeah. I did like an online um, 
appointment with a doctor and took a test online. And then they were like, yep. <laughs> and it was a little bit earlier in the pandemic. So that whole um, new cycle of why is everyone ADHD hadn't happened at that point. Okay. So I don't know if I, I just did the same thing now. Will I be dismissed or will I be supported? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think on your bio, it says that your kids, your, your whole fam is ADHD. It really is. So here's a personal example of how I just want to talk to talk to you about how women are not diagnosed versus uh, men. Yeah. So my son, who is um, turning 10, got diagnosed almost two years ago now. He's classic. I was just like him. Uh, just hyperactive kid, inattentive, but he's really good at school because he's interested in it. Um, so it's like, if he wasn't so hyperactive, he would have been missed. But his teacher at the time when we were doing diagnosis had an ADHD child. So she know, knew how to teach these kids, okay. make them love school. But also she was the one who filled out my forms and they do like the teacher fills out one and the parents fill out one and then the doctor does the evaluation, all that stuff. Like if the teacher wasn't so informed and if I, my eyes weren't open, because when you're filling out a form for your child, you're like, they ask, like, is, does he do annoying stuff one to five? And you're like, I don't want to say my child's annoying. <laughs> but, you know, he does really annoying stuff. And they're exactly the same that I used to do to my mom. <laughs> so it's great to talk to him about that saying, hey, you're being super annoying, just like I used to be. You need to stop now because I am a person too, you know? Yeah. But so that's my son. He got diagnosed. And now our daughter, who's four years old with two ADHD parents, she's as hyperactive as, you know, the boy, but she's very compliant and pleasing at school, loves school. She's in preschool, but the teachers are like, oh, she listens so much. And then I'm like, what about her attention? They, they describe hyperfocus, like she has difficulty moving from something that she's interested in. Oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, she's not inattentive at all. And I'm like, well... ADHD isn't that right even teachers who are you know more informed you have to explain like it's an attention regulation problem it's not that she's not going to pay attention to stuff she's going to pay attention so much to things that she likes that she's not going to hear her name so I had those conversations and I think that no one's gonna diagnose her so I'm starting very early with her pediatrician pointing out things you know she's sensitive to sound Mm -hmm. I just want to be observant um not that necessarily she'll need any support at any time, but she should know herself, right? It's important. So that's my family. Boys getting diagnosed, girls getting, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm vigilant, uh, keeping on top of these kids. Yeah. And only my husband's medicated. The rest of us are just like <laughs> mm-hmm. just trying our best. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, that's so nice that she has such like a safe space to learn and question these things too, because... So much of it, when you don't have the, like we talked about those words, describing it, like being able to identify what these things we're feeling are like, that is just, it's so empowering and, and helpful. And so that's really great being in like a ADHD, you know, relationship. Like, do you guys have any like funny things that you are able to kind of overcompensate with each other for? Yeah. So I used to think that I do things because I turn off all the lights in the house and I'm like, no one ever turns off the lights. <laughs> um, and I used to think that I put away the milk after my husband all the time. But then he went on a trip uh, to see his mom 
and I was like with the kids by myself for two days and I'm like he was putting the milk away after me too I'm like oh my gosh I this whole time but I try not to make it a big deal because I know myself as well that's the nice thing about the ADHD you know his mess annoys me but my mess is right next to it in equal amount. He's never bothered me about any of the ADHD things that people seem to kind of be uh, upset with their spouses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take that as a nice kind of baseline. Our house is never tidy. Like there are parts of it sometimes beautiful and tidy because we do it that way. And then it just like crumbles. We always have like half finished projects. We, we also found kind of like a language to be like, hey, why don't you do this today? Let's do it together. You know, it's just like a little bit of a nudging in a friendly way without just making them feel like I'm not going to do this because you're telling me to do this. Body doubling, it's so helpful. And for some reason that it can just make tasks seem so much less overwhelming. It's a strategy I'm always telling my clients about, even sometimes with you know, I'll call my friend every time I'm cleaning my room because it just goes by way quicker as opposed to even Mm -hmm. just music for me. It's like knowing that I kind of need to like zone out or else I can't focus on the thing I'm doing or because, or else it just feels too painfully boring. I have to like, my mind has to be somewhere else, like a conversation or something, just anything to make it. Yeah. That's, that's such a great example. And I'll, this is something I don't recommend, but there is sometimes in the past before I knew I was ADHD, there were times that I had to finish a task. I remember before my son was born, I was painting his room and um, I don't know if you painted any rooms before, but if you're anything like me, I would start, you know, like people just paint Mm-hmm. I would paint a little bit here, turn to paint a little bit there. It just looks like a crazy person, like a bird, like throwing paint in different spots, but they converge and they become like a wall at the end. Right. So I would do something like I would close the door to the uh, room and say to myself, I'm not allowed to leave this room until this thing is painted like a normal wall. Because I know that if I leave, I don't know when I'll come back, right? It could be weeks. It could be never. (laughs) It could be never, exactly. I had to paint a patch of my house that I sold before after I sold it because I never got, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll I'll, I'll paint this patch. (laughs) It could be never, exactly. So there are bits, there are things that is just like so boring, but I just like make myself do them. So it's, it's a little bit easier now because now I know that this is going to be horrible for me. There are like strategies to make it not the worst thing in the world. I think just knowing is, you know, so important. Yeah. What you're going through, put the words around it, just like you said. And uh, like the support of the community and suggestions. I learned so much from this community. It's insane. It is. Yeah, no, it's really nice being able to just hear different people's perspectives and everything. And on that same note, do you have any advice for any listeners <laughs> who might be um, navigating a diagnosis in adulthood? Um, my biggest advice for anyone is if you're forgetting things just to do like a visual thing for yourself, That's that changed our kind of family life the most. We have a wall that's painted as a blackboard because our kitchen is kind of the hub area where we do 
most of the talking about things and doing things or just putting food or, you know, we're out of this. So we just write things down as soon as it happens. Otherwise, it's going to go away, right? If there's an important event coming, it goes, the board doesn't look organized at all, but the words there are just like we're constantly seeing them. And it's unlike post-its, which are like, you know, small and you could just like become blind to these things, right? You can. A big word yeah. on the board, I'm sure you can be blind to that. It's, it's really changed our lives, like big visuals uh, mm -hmm. being there. We, I mean, we still miss things. Of course. And then my second advice is other than the visual systems or whatever that they can do is just like, um, like don't expect this to go away and don't mm -hmm. just be cool or cool. Just try to like deal with the aftermath in a nice way, you know, be kind to yourself. You know, for me, like being able to, when, when something like a reminder, when we stop processing it, we stop seeing it, just switching to another thing, like I go back yes. and forth like that's been a game changer for me like I have a whiteboard but there's sometimes like I'll use a whiteboard for like two weeks my lists are all on there it's working good I, I get super into that for a couple weeks and then it's just not exciting and so then I switch to something <laughs> else and then at some point the whiteboard is there again and I'm like oh that sounds kind of nice so just being able to switch as things lose their their interest a little bit yeah, I have one that's unused now, but I use it mm -hmm. from time to time as well. It's like, uh, but I, I become blind to this one, which is like, it's also upstairs. Who knows what's on it? Right. <laughs> I'm out of this yeah. room. It's like when you leave the bathroom, you will never remember to buy a toothpaste type of a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right about the systems though. You know, um, I'm trying to do uh, a little bit more kind of physical activity exercises and every day I think, oh, I should contact, you know, XYZ to see their programs, but I will never remember that. So yeah. what I instead do is just what can I do right now? Like, it seems like not organized, but can I go for a walk? Can I do just like weights? Can I run around with the kids? So that's really actually helped me just like not worrying about like a formal way of doing things it's just like what can I do right now because you know I feel like I have time now I hope to do something because there's no like magical time that will come that I'll be like a different person who can do these things and go to places right and when we try and prep for those like bigger things then it's those are the sometimes the things that we end up putting off because it seems too big so that's so smart mm -hmm. to just be like okay realistically what can I do right now like any amount um especially when we struggle with that paralysis and just initiating things it's always helpful just anything that you can do now is good it doesn't have to be huge it doesn't have to be a big thing absolutely that's why I really appreciate and can't believe the ADHD people doing podcasts so much planning <laughs> goes into it right even just yeah. for me to run a class my husband helps so much like he's an IT guy. I'm like, I don't want to know how anything works. Can we do that? And I also work in IT as well, but like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just so incompetent. Like if yeah. he didn't help, all that stress and organizing and preparing would be just way too much for me. Because people ask me like, how do you do it? You have a job and you have this. And I'm like, I don't think anyone can do all these things. I'm super stressed out. Like I don't sleep before I launch anything. And uh I don't know uh, if my work people will listen to this, but definitely I'm not 100% right before I launch a 
class at work <laughs> so yeah don't fire me <laughs> so, I think a lot of it comes down to knowing what types of you know tendencies we have I started doing the podcast with Sam uh, my friend who our listeners are very familiar with and so there's accountability there like we talked about it when we started and and we're in this together which is really nice and that helps but I had someone helping me at the beginning like knowing what to do because I I just wouldn't have known <laughs> there's so many things and I'm still like learning as I go but it's a fun it's a fun platform and it's another way to connect with everyone so I like it, but I'm so glad that um, we were able to get you on the podcast and I really, really appreciate you taking your time and, and joining us. No, oh, thank you so much for inviting me and uh, it's always a good time when you can meet your ADHD buddies in real, like realish life. I know, I know, not just Instagram messenger. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? And I'll also link the, your profile and everything in the show notes as well. Um, I am on Instagram mainly. So it's at dt.perry as well. So I'm just going to focus a little bit more on, you know, both health stuff that I'm researching, like supplements, but also just the career related things. So I think the next thing we'll have uh, just how to do your resume and how to prepare for an interview, those types of stuff. So you guys should definitely check out her content. It's great stuff. Um, but thank you so much for joining. I'm really happy to have you on. Thank you for having me. As always, thank you guys so much for joining us for this week's episode. You can find me on Instagram at Coaching by Alana, and you can find the podcast on Instagram at absolutely.adhd. Don't forget to like, follow, write us a review so we can help keep sharing this information with more ADHDers. We really appreciate the support, and we will see you next week.